Welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Ed Piscor. I'm Jim Rugg. And uh, today we're going to be looking at uh, Dave Stevens' uh, Rocketeer comics. Uh, but before we get into that, I want to invite you guys to like, follow, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, if you dig the videos, if you enjoy the videos, uh, if you like them enough to watch to the end, what happens is that helps goose the algorithms and pushes this comic book content out to other comic book loving YouTube uh, viewers who might not be aware of Cartoonist Kayfabe helps the channel, helps the culture of Cartoonist Kayfabe and makes it possible for us to do daily videos. Dave Stevens Rocketeer comics are uh, what are under the microscope today. Jimmy, this is a comic that you and I have had in our kind of pull list ready to go for an episode uh, for, for quite a while. Today's the day, man. We're going to get into it, dude. Pretty legendary comic, legendarily slow. <laughs> on its uh, distribution. Yeah, not just slow, but also scattered through uh, four different publishers for, for the Dave Stephen issues in less than a decade. Um, man, it made it hard to hard to collect. Like, I couldn't imagine buying this in the day. I, I picked these up long after they were published, sure. so it was kind of like I could you could get all eight, although it took me a while to actually get them. Um, but man, if you were reading it in the day, like there were years between some of these issues. Yeah, man, notoriously slow. There's uh, editorials within these inside covers and stuff that uh, highlight the speed of uh, Dave Stevens' work. And uh, yeah, man, scattered throughout. We got to start off with the backups in Star Slayer. And uh, each of these comics, uh, we're going to look at the first storyline. Each of these comics, uh, I pieced together for 50 cents or less at the at the uh, flea markets. And you could tell I was super young, man, when I uh, went to the flea markets and scooped them up because, like, look at this shit, dude. I was, <laughs> I was coloring the... Uh, this, yeah. This, this is the... What it, what it looked like before little Eddie got hold of his. Dude, that's some good coloring. I don't know how old you were, but the blending on the Captain Victory logo... I w I, went I thought some of this was printed in color the first time you opened that page. I went and ranks Xerox, and I figured, like, uh, you put down some, some ink, and then you, sp yes. you, you smooth it out, man. I don't have fingerprints any longer, Jimmy. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Cartoonist Kayfabe is brought to you by the comics that Jimmy and I draw. He's got a big one coming up in March. Uh, Hulk Grand Design Monster, April Hulk Grand Design Madness. We're talking 40-page issues of uh, high-octane Incredible Hulk action, giving you the entire history of the Incredible Hulk, distilling down 400 issues of material into these 40-page bits. Jimmy put it all on the line here with this comic, man. Uh, there is bombast. There is visual excitement on every single page. you got to get your hands on it. Several uh, variant covers to, to go along with uh, these issues. Here's the Marcos Martin. Jeff Darrow did this one for the Madness issue, Peach Momoko, there's the Eddie P variant. Uh, but March is Cartoonist Kayfabe Month in the comic shops. I have uh, Red Room Trigger Warnings, issue one, coming out uh, on the stands March 9th. Uh, Murder on the Dark Web for Fun and Profit is the name of the game in Red Room. And every issue is completely self-contained. These are the variant covers to go along with that. But a rising tide raises all ships. So we have uh, lots of books in print in our bibliographies that you can get your hands on. And we like seeing those Amazon numbers increase. So Jimmy has the Plain Janes, giant young, young adult manga available in finer comic shops. And Street Angel, Deadliest Girl Alive is out there in the wild. As per my bibliography, 
Red Room, the Antisocial Network was last year's comic. WYSIWYG, Portrait of a Serial Hacker, four volumes of Hip Hop Family Tree comics out there, two box sets, man, finally back in print. Get your hands on those if you haven't got them already. And uh, the grand design that started them off, man, X-Men Grand Design, three volumes of that, or a hard-to-find omnibus is out there in the wild. Get these comics while they're hot. It keeps the lights on in the kayfabe offices, and it makes it possible for us to continue giving you daily video content. Now that we're done paying the bills, back to the video. So what do you say, man? We'll just, like, launch right into things. Yeah, dig in. You know, like Dave Stevens, it's it's eye candy, right? So, yeah. So uh, let, let's see some of that. Yeah, that's the thing, too. Eye candy is a good way to put it, man, because sometimes the storytelling flow doesn't work, man, and it's, it's usually because of the lettering. So it leads me to believe that he's laying these pages out himself with little to maybe no consideration for where the lettering's going. Uh, somebody puts that stuff in afterward, and then he finishes the pages because your eyeballs are going to be bouncing around... Yeah, that part's kind of frustrating, and I know we've talked about lettering a lot, but there's definitely a system, you know, you go left to right and, and top down, and sometimes uh, that's not the way these balloons are arranged. Um, I think he's coloring this. There's no credit for the coloring on this first story, but um, some of the stories later on, they do have a coloring credit, and it's him and another guy, or I think it's another guy. So uh, I assume that maybe he's coloring this original stuff too. Great color job, man, whoever, whoever did it, and, and Pacific Comics... They did great coloring. Uh, Steve Olaf is the guy that I know who colored most uh, Pacific comics. And if he has a hand in this, it would not surprise me because yes. look at the modeling on this. Exactly. Uh, Olaf excelled at that kind of energy, man. And this this is good coloring right here, dude. Off the bat, like that iconic design. When you have those those curves on the side, screams Art Deco, yes. like perfect for the time period. Um, yeah, set, set in the 1930s, Hollywood 1930s. Guys, guys of this era, like my my pops would tell me about the Rocket Man serials and junk. And you, if you ever saw like the still imagery, it's very evocative. I could imagine any kid being super into that stuff. And a lot of the people who are fans of this are other professionals who are of that same kind of fandom of the references that Dave Stevens is making. He's kind of like a uh, uh, purveyor of kitsch culture just as a hobby himself and he brings all of that into this comic uh this comic it reminds me of like the best of those kind of comics where um the artist is clearly drawing and exploring the stuff that he really likes shades of you know cadillacs and dinosaurs hellboy Hellboy, the goon strikes that chord with me that that Eric Powell is really invested in right. the kind of stuff that he's talking about. Sin City, you know this this is this is in that uh, exact kind of paradigm. Yeah, that's a good perspective. And you know the thing to add is if you look at the uh, the signature up on the top, 1981. So you know like we this makes sense to us now, but in 1981 there weren't a lot of books like this. That's true. You know, where a guys coming in and saying like. There aren't other books like this on the market, but it's what I want to draw. So here you go. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, like, when you zoom back and you go to, like, the conventions of that time, comic book conventions of the time, the stuff that they were hustling, it wasn't, like, Lou Ferrigno signing stuff. That would have been dealer booths that was uh, specializing in, like, movie steals, steals from way back in the day or, like, those Warren Super 8 film reels that are like the highlights of captain video serials from you know the yes. 1940s or something like this this fits in with like the comic con culture of that time and the guys who were big in fandom who then became 
cartoonists themselves, all the way back from Al Williamson to Kaluta and the studio guys, like they they dug this comic and they they're writing letters. William Stout writes a letter in one of these yep. things, man. Uh, these are guys who who are into that kind of shit. And when uh, when we when we got new new cable channels uh here in pittsburgh man uh when we got the the e network for the first time they had these e true hollywood stories there was a betty page one and dave stevens was a guy who was all over that he kind of like brought betty page out of obscurity and helped kind of create the kind of like icon that she became in the 70s 80s uh, because of the work that he did and like being juiced in with like san diego comic-con and and um that network of fandom so he's he's not playing with yeah and for anybody unfamiliar with dave stevens because he died in 2008 died young um didn't leave a lot of comics work behind but some of his stuff is like when he was 18 or 19 did a year working with russ manning on the tarzan comic yeah uh you know like he was a wonder wonder wonderkind wonderkind whatever that term is like the guy could draw went and saw jack kirby whenever he was a teenager and was you know kirby gave him encouragement based on his art uh, storyboarded some of the Raiders of the Lost Ark. So, you know, did a lot of stuff around art, but didn't do the chain himself to the drawing table for 12 hours a day approach of, you know, I guess uh, the, the cartoonist, you know, the demands of making comic books, but did dabble in a lot of different commercial art throughout his career at a high level. Makes a lot of sense, man. Very handsome dude. He had that Van Dyke mustache beard gimmick going on. Uh, he's probably a busy fella. <laughs> Launching into things? Yes. Off the bat, man, even the lettering right there is is indicative of that that time period. It's it's very period specific. He draws some hell of a cars. He draws some hell of a airplanes of many kinds. Like those, his planes feel super weighted. Yeah, it it reminds me a little bit of um, Alex Toth's Bravo for Adventure. Sure. In that, I think both of those guys were enjoying '30s Hollywood airplanes adventure, and uh, and you, and you see that in here. It's a very different look than Alex Toth, but I think some of the ingredients and influences are uh, overlap. Bunch of gangsters are running away from the feds. Uh, they sneak into a hangar. They drop a parcel inside the cockpit of a plane, but not before uh, getting captured. Yeah, There's... I love their plan is to uh, hijack this plane or to, to hotwire this plane and take off. Yeah, maybe they got uh, the instructions from a comic book that Frederick Wortham was trying to outlaw. Cool little panel composition stuff here like where you see the satchel inside the cockpit right there as those dudes yeah it's good have their hands up and here's a, a, an example of the lettering we're talking about there's your first word balloon which one's your second one yeah is it the one that's right next to it or is it this one it's this one so you're going one two and then back to three not lot not not obvious not obvious uh, but also not the most egregious one that we're that's going true. to uh to see and uh, there's even stuff like this right here where, where the storytelling, it happens like up and down. Uh, you know, it's this guy's drawing pretty pictures. He doesn't have the sort of page count of figuring visual storytelling out. You know, yeah, good good for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah and some backgrounds and stuff for Russ Manning. Uh, but if you're not the one pacing the thing out, dude, you're you got to figure that shit out yourself. This, to me, is like a hallmark of uh, kind of golden age comic artwork. You That's know? true. You, you'd see this kind of thing even in the ECs, these these very like like uh, specific uh, em emotional trigger moments. I feel like this dude looks like uh, Bush Jr. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, that expression, that panel you pointed out is golden age. 
uh, known for his expressive faces. Yeah. So you see a lot there and you'll see it throughout as we're flipping through these stories. You'll see a lot of that kind of like very expressive facials. Precise inking mm -hmm. uh, in here, man. There's stuff like the, the thick and thins of the ink line yes. are so considered and very important. Like he's thinking about the lighting on everything. I'm, there's even like clenched fists. When you look at the modeling, it's, it's a clear line, clean line. But the fists and all the lines that are in here, there are thick and thins, and it sells the lighting so perfectly with just one line going from thick to thin. Yeah, it's very impressive, and I'm glad you pointed out hands, because uh, just, again, watching at home, pay attention to hands, he draws them very, very well. And uh, I, I should have said this in the intro, the first artist edition that uh, IDW publishes is Dave Stevens. Uh, I don't think I knew that. Yeah, super cool. There goes PV, man. He's he's one of he's like the likable. He's the uh the Burgess Meredith to uh to Rocky. Like that's that's who he is to Cliff Secord. He's the Doug Wildey to Dave Stevens. Yeah, based there on it is. Doug Wildey. <laughs> and there's your money shot, dude. Yeah, how how impressive does that look? Nice to see the Rocketeer in this story. Because <laughs> You know, it's not just Rocketeer out adventuring. Like, there's a lot of, uh, you know, characters out of costume throughout this run of, of comics. So when you do get to see a nice shot of Rocketeer like that, like, you can see why that left a mark on, in people's imaginations. Absolutely. Such a striking image. Mm -hmm. And it's less the comic in a lot of ways, I think, for people than it is this kind of stuff. These kinds of treatments where you just have these very cool, iconic shots of the Rocketeer that that really strike the chord with people more than more than the comics in a lot of ways. Yeah, striking images for sure. All right, part two in the very next issue of uh, Star Slayer. And looking pretty good there for your uh, your third third page splash. You know, uh, not quite half a page of a splash there, but that top title piece is pretty sharp, and we've got a good logo now with it. That looks nice. Yeah, it does, man. Uh, and our guy. Uh, Dave Stevens has a challenge, you know, he's got this speeding figure, like how do you communicate that stuff? And he, he comes up with some very interesting ways, like you're not seeing those feet, like he's just this, this blur that you're focusing on just like the top top half of his body, very interesting. And this is a rookie, you know, he, this is the first time he's taken it out for a spin, he doesn't have his Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours practice. Nor has he read the, the manual fully, <laughs> which will be explained later, but yes, he's going up there without a lot of uh, how-to. Those daredevils, man, I tell you what. A little crash landing on the wing of that biplane there. Yeah, it doesn't look too good. Oh, you know what's cool? Um, PV, the guy that, that uh, the Doug Wildey guy, he's the guy who fashions the helmet for Rocketeer. You know, like he finds that rocket pack tucked away in his in his cockpit, but you need a helmet. Like this is obviously a dangerous uh, toy that you're going to go play with. Heck yeah, man. And uh, shit, if you need a windshield on your car, you definitely better have some spectacles covering your eyes. When you're flying at uh, great speeds. They do some really nice stuff. Like, to me, that's a great panel. You know, obviously things are perilous. You're on an airplane that's that's uh, out of control. Like, that looks pretty good. Doing what they can with that with that 64 color palette, you know? Yes. Doing very interesting things. Yeah, it does make me wonder, like, whoever deserves credit for the coloring, I, you know, they definitely deserve some. Hey, did you ever go to air shows like when you were a kid or anything? Was that a thing? Yes, for sure. Up there at the county airport. Right yeah. There. Yeah. My grandfather was really into airplanes. So my he would drag also. me to that stuff. And this is what you would see like old planes, these old propeller airplanes doing all kinds of 
wild things that they probably shouldn't have done. They do crazy shticks too. Like I remember this one where um, they they had this whole like scenario played out where like a guy is like jumps a fence. He's super drunk. The cops are chasing him. He jumps in a plane and he starts flying the plane all <laughs> crazy, like up and down and like scraping the ground and shit like that. Man. Yeah, I don't remember the skits, but I do remember the crazy plane acrobatics. One of the things you have to figure out if you're going to do this kind of airplane drama and then is the propeller, the speedy propeller. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you draw that? That looks pretty good right there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I have no complaints about anything he's drawing. You know, he's, uh, I don't know how, how much is researched how much is i'm you know i'm sure it's all probably referenced but who knows what those references look like he might have model airplanes he's looking at there's that bit uh, i think it was in the jeff darrow shoot interview where he's checking out uh some dave stevens work and there's like a hand that's inked there's like the top of an arm that's inked but like no wrist and he's like dave like how, how can you trust your proportionality like why why didn't you ink this piece and he was essentially waiting to find the proper piece of reference so that he can get that arm that that wrist perfectly and you know you and i we we have friends who come through through pittsburgh and stay for a while and could fill up a sketchbook in a month but when it comes to the actual comic page they're searching for all kinds of reference and things and it's like but you drew a million shoes uh, in your sketchbook. You can't just uh, put one of those down on your comic page. And talk about referenced, man. Very clearly, we have this Betty Page analog character right there. And this of you right here, like, this is like Bill Elder starchy kind of proportions right there, man. Yeah, good call on that. Doesn't look like that one's referenced like uh, some of the other images. Yeah. Yeah, like clearly that face. But the uh, the the Betty Page character is a real like. The, in a lot of ways, this is a this is a Silver Age kind of Marvel comic in certain ways. Man, it's very simply told. There's like the love interest. Uh, there there are complications. You know, this Mary Jane Watson analog chick is like. All these guys spend money on me, but I'm giving him a chance, and he wants all of my time, and I give him more time than anybody. You know, she's kind of a bimbo. Yeah, and he's uh, struggling to make ends meet. You know, working at a failing airfield, totally uh, in over his head with, with 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 Betty Page here. But he has a good cut to his jib, so she's giving him a shot. Also, like. Um, at this point, now that he has the stolen jetpack, now he's on the side of the criminals. Like, not a lot going for this dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is an interesting bit, man. Where there's multiple chances for him to just like turn it into the feds, but he's like a hot dogger, you know, born hot dogger. Like, no, nah, I gotta, I should be the one to, uh, to do the bit. Look at this for an image of a panel. You know, the, the, both the drawing and the coloring, like oh, yeah. really going for it in that close up. Oh yeah. Some good-looking pages here, no doubt about that. <laughs> and here's how our rookie has to try to figure out how to land this this exactly. gimmick. That's the other thing too. When you see Rocketeer, like probably throughout this entire initial story, he's never really a hero. Like he 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 doesn't really pull off the dashing maneuvers or anything like that. Yeah, he's... not smooth at all. And I liked reading this, so I would I pick these up in pieces over exactly, the years, yeah. you know, and I would read whatever five six pages at a time out of order. Sitting down and reading them all together this past week was kind of 
I enjoyed it a lot more than I expected to just because the pieces I didn't enjoy as much. Right. Um, but reading this, like as soon as I got to this point and it was like landing time, it's so brilliant because like, I'm going, oh yeah, you're in a lot of trouble. I think about people like parachuting and it's like, you got to hit the ground running, right. you know, like all these different things. And it's like, he's, he's screwed, man. You know? So I like that in a comic, like there's a logic, it makes, it makes logical sense. And it's something I hadn't really given much consideration to until it comes up in the comic. And then it's like, oh yeah, this is, this is going to be bad. <laughs> okay. Reader, the fate of the rocketeer is in your hands. If you'd like to see him fly again, write us Dave Stevens. I also love that you have that shadowy figure looming over a very vulnerable rocketeer as your ending. There are a few of these choices too that I that I appreciate like reading this where it's you know imagine the image comic version of Rocketeer, right? right? It's just these splash pages of him looking cool being the dashing hero. There's a lot more nuance in this than than I would expect from somebody that hasn't done very many comics. It's true. It's true and it, he seems to he seems to know what his own speed is. So, you know, we get a five page or so, eight page piece the first round. We get five pages this round. This this guy is not churning stuff out and he knows it. So he's writing these manageable chunks that he can shoehorn wherever he can get it. And some guy like Dave Stevens come, comes by and has five pages. A publisher's going to figure out a place to put it. Yeah. And probably feature the co the character pretty prominently on the cover somewhere. Hey, um, go back one 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 second there. Um, eight panels, nine panels. This is this is stray bullets amount of like paneling, and you know you see a totally different page layout. So I enjoy his layouts too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Still reeks of of golden age looking comics. Like yeah. like they would have this voluminous amount of panels, and, and then the you round have your panels circles. were huge for. That, that's what I think of with the Golden Age stuff. So when you crack this stuff open, man, and then you see that like a lot of the letters are Rocketeer centric, how, how do you feel if you're Mike Grell? Ouch. Or, uh, <laughs> you, you know, you got a good break, maybe? <laughs> uh, w William Stout uh, has a letter in there, Hollywood, California. And it's like, this is an after mag letter because I associate, I associate those guys with being like a tandem. It would be like me writing a letter to, to Street Angel Comics or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Like these guys are connected, but they write about it like it's uh like there's some remove. It's pretty cool. Um, first letter is talking about comics code. We've had some comics code talk on the channel of late. And uh, that very first letter is asking about the comics code. And why isn't this a magazine? Because early 80s, you know, Love and Rockets is on the scene. They point out there's no comics code stamp on the cover. Right. Even that back cover flies hell, man. Yeah, pretty good example of those hands I'm talking about. Like, how believable are those fingers just pressing a little bit? Yeah, man. Using duotone. Yeah, it looks so good. It fits that uh, 1938 setting really well, the duotone. It feels like an old photograph. Sure. They tried to goose it even further by just trying to create that sepia of old photos. Mm -hmm. Chapter 3. Picks up right where we left off, Jimmy. Yes. That Rocketeer mask is something special. It's huge. Is there a Rocket... Do, do any of us know the Rocketeer if it's not for that helmet design? Yeah. You know, it's so important. And especially when he's flying, it just looks even better once it's, uh, his head's cocked back. and feels like he catches some emotion in there sometimes, man. Like, gives it a little bit more of a scowl at times. Also, I think that it's a deception... Like, you don't see very many lines... I bet you that's a hard-ass thing to draw. I never tried, but 
I bet you can make that look wrong real easy. Of course you can. Think of like Eric Larson's dragon fin that everybody does wrong. And then you're also having like, there's so many curves on that exactly. thing for just like three lines, but they all delineate a curve. Yeah. So here's our guy like getting sucked up by, is it the feds, is it the Germans? Like there's a lot of people vying for this V2 rocket type system. And it's not always clear who is who, especially right. in the early stages, which is another piece of the writing I like because it's not like, okay, here's exposition to give you exactly who this guy is or that guy that's coming after you. At different points, it's like, yeah, is that a good guy or bad guy that's trying to chase that rocket down? There are bits here where I'm thinking of like Johnny Craig's females from yeah. like crime suspense stories. Still Will Elder comes to mind. And another guy you might not think I would be mentioning, but like Booty Rogers drew, drew females that way the big ass head super skinny tapered waist all that and uh, i would like to see the artist edition of this because there's no holding line on that yeah. shirt and just these like uh contour lines going down her body that's pretty sharp very sharp um you know i think frazetta's an influence on him totally. you see it sometimes in the feathering and stuff but occasionally i feel like it shows up in the figures or in the hair sorry I keep going back i look at this stuff it's so detailed reminds me of like a michael golden coloring like look at how you know look at the page and then think like that's quite a choice somebody's making. Absolutely. And, and, and maybe it's Stevens. I'm not sure, again, who the colorist is on this one, but looks really good. Absolutely. And looking at the just the actual, like, the figure drawing, man, like, these, the eyes, they're they're rooted in there perfectly. Oh, like, yeah. And, and it's so small, you know? Like, how big is that artist edition? It's not that big. 11 by 17, I think it's a standard, you know, the standard kind of size. It also reminds me of Eisner, who I've, I've seen Dave Stevens talk about as influential in interviews. And, you know, you get the windows, the, the windows as panels and yeah. stuff within a panel. So the drawing's not quite there, but uh, he definitely praises Eisner quite a bit if you track down some of his interviews. Now you get a car chase sequence, man. One of the hardest, thing, hardest things to draw in comics. Uh, the other hard stuff, dog fights and airplane action. Like, Dave Stevens is choosing some pretty hard subject matters to uh, inject into his comic. Yeah. But he does a really, really beautiful job with this stuff. Yeah, it all sells. I think you can see some of the Hollywood influence, like a storyboard influence, especially on a panel like this. I think this. That feels like a shot this, you would see. Yeah, like like almost every single camera angle here that we get, and, and, the, and the flow of it is becoming more solid. Man, you talk about those eyeballs buried in people's heads perfectly. Like, that's a clinic on your profile of eyeballs. Yeah, not easy, man. And you see the badge now. Like, these guys that run them off the road are... are apparently uh you know some kind of law enforcement presumably good guys in 1938 maybe and of course he gets his ass out of there with their little rocket pack that was the whole bit where like no we want you to keep the outfit on that would be like yeah keep the gun in your holster while we have you sitting in the back of our car <laughs> right like kind of a dumb move a little bit but we had to get cliff out of there out of dangerous the way he figured out how to do it and you get the first uh the first inkling here of we've got german spies involved as well you know pre-world war ii but but that european theater is heating up yeah red baron was around in, in in at this point good silhouettes like it feels like the pieces are all here you know even a, as a young cartoonist like he's he, he's aware of what the vocabulary is and yeah. using it yeah like if the, if the newspaper headline you know for your exposition you take the um the color off of this and you look at some of this stuff uh, you, you could, could actually feel the russ manning vibe in there mm. 
because he's trying to get a lot of story across, man, on a very short page count. Man, airplanes seem, especially these kinds of airplanes, seem like they would be really difficult to draw, but they look so good. They do. Like, look at this thing. Yeah. Right? That looks like... <laughs> that one's amazing. That looks like a washer and dryer with a propeller, and he sells, on the next page, he sells the weight of that takeoff. Like, it looks heavy. It looks like it's barely lumbering up there in the sky. Yeah, and it's that uh, that effect, too, where it's like the continuous panel, even though it's two panels. Smart. Genius. Works really well for uh, to have that movement. Using Zipatone on his, uh, on his airplanes. Wise move. Uh, that has to be a beautiful panel. Like, the you know, the artist edition of that, that panel's got to be stunning. Yeah, for sure. I think he uses more zip than we realize. And there were a couple pieces where I saw some, I think, duotone use. But you just don't don't notice it when it starts to moray with the colors. You just imagine right. that it's the color separations or something. And Betty's in peril. We've got bad guys coming from all different angles. And then she's not in peril. That's a real clunky little bit, man, because like when we last see her, she's not captured by anybody. She just shows up tied up because Dave Stevens fucking wanted to draw her tied up. <laughs> I think they say it too. It's it's uh it's like add the dialogue. Explain uh, that she's uh she's been captured. <laughs> Jackie Estrada, man, synonymous with San Diego Comic Con, mm -hmm. gives a little uh bio piece for young Dave Stevens, 26 years old at this point, and lays out all the stuff that you mentioned uh, early on. Um, when it talks about the Hollywood work, the storyboards, all that stuff, that's another piece where Jeff Darrow is like, is like, uh, Dave Stevens drew a hat, and then like at the end of the, the, the tenure, he, he drew another hat, like super beautiful, but not very many of them. Yeah. They mentioned uh, he did a Japanese comic called Aurora, and I believe it's this first story. If you want to just flip through and kind of give a look of, you know, what's an American comic look like going to Japan? And I think this is maybe added, mm -hmm. um, you know, so slightly different page size. And then I'm sure this is colored after the fact. Yeah. You know, for the American, uh, the American printing. A little bit of an extra uh, Mobius vibe to some of this, I feel like. Yeah, this would have pre preceded Rocketeer uh, by a couple of years, so... Yeah, you know, a little different artist at the time. You can see some of these kinds of marks, something that we don't see in Rocketeer, working that out of his system. Mobius, European, who knows? Maybe he looked at a little bit of manga or something if it was for a Japanese audience, tried to tried to incorporate something that he saw there. Doesn't look like it whatsoever. <laughs> Looks very Mattel Erlon. Yeah. Like Barbarella. And, of course, you can see his interest on the pages here too, right? Drawing beautiful women. Yeah, man. But there's so little Dave Stevens comic art out there, you know, you scoop up like any of it's just uh, you savor it. So whenever Jackie Estrada is talking about it here, you have to imagine that um, Eclipse, Pacific or any collectors are like, yeah, let's see this Aurora stuff. Yeah, man. Beautiful. Did a lot of covers, too, is the other place that you see a lot of his work if you were a Stevens collector. How about this for a nice pairing of, of Ditko and, and uh, Dave Stevens? It feels, it feels criminally, criminally wrong that we're just going to cut, yes, <laughs> cut that true. off and keep things going, man. But listen, that, those are videos for another day. It is. This could almost be your poster for, uh, for the Rocketeer movie. Absolutely. It feels so much like that, what I think of like old Hollywood serials. Absolutely. And for that matter, so does this cover. It does. Love the shadow of the Rocketeer in costume behind him. That's a pretty good comics uh, 
you know, trope is your character looks good in silhouette. Right. Add it to the Batman, you know, it's uh, that's pretty striking. Yeah, it's a good silhouette, man. Great design. And who'd have ever thought that like that like earth tone colors would would be the way to go? It's so new, you know, this is 1983 is the date on this. This is still pretty far ahead of the curve for like direct market. I think Gary Groth describes Dave Stevens as like the first direct market uh, superstar artist to come out of the direct market system. Interesting. This has to be a real place, right? I don't know, but I love it. It's, it's that or else he, he loves bulldogs. Yeah. It's it's another one of those things that that is a little deceptive with the color separations put on there, but there's definitely yes. zipatone and he's and he's chipping off some dots mm-hmm. for texture on that paper mache building. It's cool too because you see him as being like, all right, this is a fun concept, but you start looking close and it's like, yeah, I can see how this works. You I know, totally. like the space and everything is just kind of real. I've never seen the movie, by the way, and it makes me wonder, like, is this a, a setting in the movie? Because right. it should be. <laughs> There's our girl taking art photos with qu- in quotes. <laughs> in quotes. <laughs> and a little uh, a little coloring, uh, you know, her her underwear here, flesh color. I feel like that's one that they might want back. Oh no, that's just see through, dude. Yeah. Yeah, that's just lace, man. Like like you're you're you see through straight through that stuff. There ain't no color there. Yo, even that that jetpack is fly. He's using like circle templates and French curves for that. Yeah, those are perfect lines. He doesn't allow for wobble. You know, Robert Crumb type lines you're not going to find in his comics. No. You know, I think he's using rulers with his brush for these kinds of lines. That's a good panel too. I like that one a lot. But this is the procedural where PV's giving him the scoop of like, yo, you didn't read the manual. This is how you do it. <laughs> the the superhero when he gets his new powers and you have to go test them out. Mm-hmm. And then who are these goofballs? Yes. So these guys are. We're going to you know spoiler. Ultimately, these are good guys, right? Yeah. Man, they don't look like it. They look like doofus, bumpkin, like jer- like you know, in our old golden age comics, the propaganda stuff would be like. The Germans are like uh, uh, Keystone cops or something, just like buffoons. They certainly look like some kind of bad guys, mobster, yeah. something or other. I believe they're Doc Savage characters. Warren Bernard, where are you when we need you? <laughs> look at the size of this panel. Do you see Michael Golden on some of these pages? I feel like this this must have been an influence maybe on some of Golden, I, or, or vice versa, because I see so many little bits that remind me of Golden, yeah. both color and some of the marks. Yeah, totally. Like, Dave Stevens seems like such a nostalgia junkie that, that he wouldn't look at any of his contemporaries, you know? Like, if it, if it, if there was any influence, I would have to imagine that it's Golden looking at his stuff. Yeah, some of the color especially reminds me of some of the stuff we'd see Michael Golden do in, in, in you know, the years since this. It's the precision, too. Yes. You know, like, not allowing himself to draw a bad figure. Though it's interesting, because there are bits where there's, like, a big head here and there. Mm-hmm. And, and just because he's so good at his figures, it stands out more. Like, if anybody else drew like that, you, w- you wouldn't even realize, but... He's perfect more often than not. I also see bits of Steve Rude and like this panel, if you told me that was Steve Rude inked by, you know, somebody with that sort of 
line quality, I'd, I'd say, yeah, sure. I believe that. Connective tissue being Russ Manning again, you know, like that, that clean line mm-hmm. and the precision of the figure, man, I bet Russ Manning has some stuff to teach you if you, if you get, oh, get sure. close. Hey, by the way, the reason these goons show up here at Betty Page's Rocketeer gave them her address instead yeah. of Peavy's to try to throw them off the trail, but also like he's sending what seemed like dangerous goons to his girlfriend's place. Very weird. Not right. Yeah. <laughs> not chivalrous. Once again, not the most heroic move. Yeah, not even close, man. And then of course, she's like, "Oh, well, I'll give you their address, like the right address, man," because Cliff, he's an asshole for r- ruining our photo shoot. Yeah, at the very least, ruining the photo shoot. <laughs> I'm reading this thinking these are bad guy, bad guys. By the way, like the the door off the like the doorknob off the like that's that's beautiful drawing, man. Mm-hmm. I like that she she calls Peavy to let him know those goons are heading their way, but waits twenty minutes before she gives him the the call. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. Yeah, she's mad. I also see um Kevin Nolan isms in some of this stuff. And again, like I'm not saying anybody's influencing anyone, it's more of just an aesthetic, you know, a, a certain quality that these guys have, but I'll see it in some of the uh, feathering and some of the shading and stuff. Yeah. And I'm all for that, you know. I'm not going to complain about that. Look at the design on that Locust airplane, dude. Yeah. Once again, if you told me Steve Rude came up with that design, I wouldn't argue. Yeah, sure. Rocket's Red Glare, dude, we're getting to uh, the last two chapters to, to, complete, uh, to complete the Rocketeer. And there's your Manhunter Mouser. Yeah. And going to a new publisher, Eclipse Comics, for the last two chapters of Rocketeer because Pacific Comics bit the dust, man. So we got this Mark Avanier uh, introduction piece to let you know how slow Dave Stevens is and to make a bunch of jokes about it. And then uh, we got to catch people up to speed with this Art Deco treatment giving you the synopsis of the of uh, what happened before and colors here are credited to joe kyoto and dave stevens makes sense anytime we get a colorist credit dave stevens is one of the uh one of the people you know partially credited and i think he talks about it it might be in an interview i read but you know like the coloring was something where they're really going for it and trying to uh get the most out of that sure which is a big part of that early direct market uh, alternative publishers and small indie pu- publishers was like, how do you make your books sell? They got to look better than Marvel and DC. And this is quite far ahead in terms of coloring and what Marvel and DC are doing in 1984. They upped the production values to be sure. Even the paper you can see is not newsprint anymore. You know, we're, we're doing better paper stock. Yeah. The old sales mechanism. Look at, look at the modeling on the eyeballs, dude. There'll be a few times that you see these kind of eyeballs and they're stunning. Yeah. They, they look like real eyes. They, they look like the, you know, you could almost touch them like they're wet on the surface. Really hard to tell what the materials are to color this stuff. Yeah, I have no idea. Some sort of, it's like chunky media. Must M- Markers? Yeah, that's what I was thinking because markers would have been used elsewhere. You know, like if you're doing certain uh, like concept art and stuff, markers would have been a tool. The precision, like using the brush to get those tapered lines, man. I mean, that's that's masterful stuff right there. It's a good flying effect too. It can be a hard thing to, to make look cool. Yeah, so you know, there he is with speed and there he is puttering out. Ran out of gas. Good stuff. <laughs> it reminds me of like the, uh, the computer joke or whatever is it plugged in. <laughs> <laughs> Another one of those heavy ass planes, man. It's the pivot, like, 
all this weight on the back wheel kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know if this if it happens in this issue. In some of the future issues, they they have like guys who were involved with plane design writing about some of these planes because like early days of aviation, you see these weird designs. That bulldog plane from from the previous issue, same kind of deal. It's not like that's what most planes look like, but you can find those. That's based on a real plane, just kind of an experimental design. And again, this guy's, you know, this is a good guy, even though they're at odds with Rocketeer. He's working on the side of the feds. How beautiful is this? I find that one just stunning. Unbelievable. I mean, they really sell the altitude. They do. They sell the little curvature of the wing. Oh, yeah. The metal surfaces. It just all looks amazing. Yeah, I love that altitude. And I like the effect of, like, the white for the clouds. Yes, and the, the white sheens on the plane feel exactly correct. And, and to, to also communicate that curve, like... Mm-hmm. They do that with the color on these straight lines. Like, you know what this is right there. And we always say, you know, don't color the skies blue. So you can see that they're doing uh, some other color choices for those skies. Comics 101. Yeah, man. <laughs> Look at Betty Page's vinyl furniture. <laughs> yeah. <Going> to <laughs> Similar gra- to your airplane wings. Go, go to grandma's house, man. And you got to sit on the plastic. <laughs> those are pretty good eyes for her, too. Absolutely. Yeah, the color, it looks like the color technique for this one is a different technique, different process. Yeah, I mean, it absolutely is. And it is that um, kind of blue line method. Like, you can see the blue line there. And that is, that's a hard kind of production system to work inside of, man. Because at a certain point, the blue line starts to disappear a little bit. So you see the color going outside of the lines Mm -hmm. because the line is going to have to just go on top and there's a a thing that happens with just you keep adding media to a piece of paper it's going to start to buckle and things and now you have to have an acetate sheet of black line work on top of this buckled piece of paper freaking nightmare dude seeing the locust with this color treatment is a pleasure yeah you really get to see that design too like it looks so cool here and here it's a great it's a great design yeah, and as far as I know, unique uh, and just maniacal that you create this design and you can, in your mind's eye, see it in 3D so that you could draw it in all these different angles. You know, this is not Google SketchUp Arrow where you build something in wireframe and you could tilt it at any angle. This is all kayfabe in it. Yeah, how true. And still capturing that curve of these planes. You know, when you draw with this kind of precision, anything out of whack is just so glaring and you don't get it here. You know, like with all of this Wally Wood stuff on the inside, it all adds up. If one of those lines was out of whack, dude, you'd clearly see it and it would be corny. Now they're fighting for control. After after the the uh, the co-pilot goes <laughs> zipping out the out the door when he opens it. <laughs> One of those classic moves, man, like the uh, jockeying for position. You that would that would end an episode in a serial. Yeah, that'd be a very tense one. You can almost look at these pages that way. Yes. You know, try to figure out each uh, like a Brian K. Vaughn. You know, each page, each panel Love having it. that momentum. Love it. Cliffhanger in every panel. I'm sold on that idea. Yeah, I like that idea a lot. 
bust a glass in the eyepiece, man. Show us some trauma. Which, by the way, will continue. I don't think they fixed this helmet for the rest of Dave Stevens' run, even in the second story. Ah, this is where we find out that uh, these uh, goon-looking dudes are good guys. (laughs) He's trying to, like, mix his own fuel (laughs) with a bunch of, like, Bernie Wrightson Frankenstein test tubes. What is the joint to hell? Yeah, pretty pretty clean lab there. <laughs> That's Surge Ad. <laughs> what the hell? Aren't you like, if you're Rick Hoberg, aren't you just embarrassed? Like you just <laughs> you just cover your face, man. I, I I would not want my art anywhere near. Yeah, this comic. it's not gonna look good next to next to a page. It'd be one thing to be in the book, but next to a page of Dave Stevens is tough. But made me think of like Image Comics. Like like this character design, not that far off from something you might see in a brigade. Yeah, yeah, I was I was thinking that could be somebody in uh, what's the Eric Larson team? Freak Force. Freak it Force. looks like Freak Force. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that Vic Bridges? <laughs> Just color him red. <laughs> Dude, it's a Rocketeer comic, but you don't get much Rocketeer in him. Not a lot. Although there are Rocketeer comics with less Rocketeer than this. <laughs> but a good bulldog. Yes. Nonetheless. wonder if Dave Stevens had a bulldog. Yeah. The, per- the perfect model was his pooch. He seems he seems like the kind of guy that just, like, he won't draw it if he doesn't have the reference. You know, pure illustrator. Man, how good is that shot of the plane? Yeah, and once again, like, that propeller, like, how do you draw that? Some people would just use a el- ellipse template. He's just gonna uh, cut in some some sheen, and he's uh, he's off to try to track down Betty before she heads to Europe with that sleazy photographer. Very quiet ending to this story, you know. Like it's it's several pages of no rocketeer, not even real action. The whole story is paced pretty weird, like from from start to finish. You know, like there's a lot of interesting choices that 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 are done there, um, and kind of surprising that that you know you're able to get a movie out of the stuff but a lot of that you know i just saw the um rondo hatton characters in that next series but let's take a look at these pinups real quick definitely gray morrow it's it's all guys that you can imagine like the only guy missing is toth Mm. at this period you know like doug wildy we we know that connection gray morrow seems right murphy anderson's an interesting choice that's a golden age guy yeah I, I understand. I, he came to prominence for me in the early image days, like Valentino talk about him. And then uh, with 1963, I think he inked some stuff in there. And uh, not, you know, not an artist I had known before that. Yeah, I don't know about inking stuff in there, but he created the, like the color separation house. Like he mm. created the system and that's what he did. Like it was his color system being used for the seps and stuff on 1963. Who is this here, man? I don't know. I was I was hoping you could fill that in. It reminds me. Some of the inking reminds me of P. Craig Russell. Yeah. Um, I it's I don't think it's P. Craig Russell, but uh, some of the inking kind of reminds me of that. But I don't know who G. F. I was mm. trying to figure that out and couldn't come up with anybody. Yeah, I don't know. K. Fabers will know. William Stout. There you go. What's better than a fan letter? How about a pinup? Yeah, we're on Noah's Ark, man, down at Kennywood. Yes. <laughs> Russ Heath, that makes sense. Yeah, you know he's going to do a killer plane. Love it with the Betty painted on the side. <laughs> That's a brilliant pinup. Al Williamson, you mentioned him earlier. 
perfect fit for this character. He's one of those guys too that's like juiced into like fandom. Like fandom like brought him into comics, even though he's from like an older generation and stuff. You know, he was into Hawks of the Sea, Will Eisner, and was a collector of strips and things. Bruce Jones, f fixture of uh, the Pacific Comics and Eclipse Comics of the early 1980s. Yeah, I like this concept that uh, he's drunk and he's seeing double or triple in his in his mind, just thinking about it. Completely infatuated with his girlfriend. Yeah, just an excuse for Bruce to draw three Betty pages and a triplane, by the way. Look at this weird thing. There was a Betty Page lookalike contest that uh, Dave Stevens would then do a chalk drawing of the winner, but like soliciting, sending photographs of yourself dolled up. Oh my. <laughs> and uh, merchandising. By the way, this is uh, the Gary Groth interview from 86 that I was reading with him. Talks about this, some regrets over this design. Feels like he went a little bit too far on that t-shirt whenever his little sister in third or fourth grade was trying to wear that to school. <laughs> <laughs> Gary's little sister or Dave Stevens? Dave Stevens. That's funny, man. <laughs> yeah. That's super funny. So there it is, man. The very first... Uh... Rocketeer story. Kaluta. Yeah. One, one more uh, Rocketeer pinup. Love that design right there. I mean, I feel like, you know, you can make that. Yeah, really cool. Really easy. So, uh, dude, little did I know that, there's, that there was a second Rocketeer story that Dave Stevens did. I literally did not know about this comic. Yeah, and a little more history. This first five-issue run, Eclipse did a did a collection you yeah. know, to trade paperback and then you know the plan was to do a second one which was uh, rocketeer in new york so this is basically continuing the story and that he's going to new york pursuing betty page who he meets up with there um but kind of its own story does it complete uh yeah it is it's it's a complete story dave stevens last um you know interiors for rocketeer and between issues two and three it goes from Kamiko, you know, company that goes out of business, to Dark Horse for issue three, and I think there's three or four years in between, and I think in that time is when the Rocketeer movie comes out. I see. Now, Jeff Darrow said that there was like a scene that he did some drawing for, where Rocketeer is like in some sort of like sterile, stairwell. Oh yeah, you know what? It's really good. Is that in the Kamikos? Um, I can't remember if it's the Kamiko or the Dark Horse. I think it's in the. Yeah, it's coming up. Is it even just this? It is. It is this. You know, like him flying up through because they're trying to figure out there's some killer on the loose and they're trying to get to the top of this like criminal building to see uh, who this killer is. But it's such a good setup, you know, like right in the middle of the page there. It's like, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. So so I think Jeff Darrow has some hands on this somewhere or he just left it up to Dave Stevens. And, and these guys were going back and forth with fax machines wow. to try to figure that stuff out. More of those great eyes, great aerial views. It's all here. Um, I think this second one is Kaluta does layouts. Mm. And uh, Groth asks him about that. And he's like, how'd you get him to do that? Or, you know, like, Groth was looking for, did you give him a full script? Right. <laughs> Dave Stevens' answer is money. I paid him. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's the attempt to get better. You know, it's um, that interview, it was from, I think, a Dallas convention. So in front of fans and everything. And they really talk shop. And, you know, Dave Stevens, not a lot of comic pages under his belt. So... The idea of bring Kaluta in, give it a little different flavor. Um, and then the third one has like Art Adams. You know, there are moments where I see Don Simpson is sure, in, sure. in this artwork. Sometimes in the hands, sometimes in the fold of the clothings. But this one is uh, pretty interesting. I don't know where he says about the Art Adams. It might be 
Story and art gave Stephen and friends. Yeah, so you can kind of see little little bits and pieces, but like this is the one that's the biggest gap, I think, years-wise from the previous issues. Uh, Mike Coluto for some great breakdowns. Art Adams and Sandy Plunkett for additional penciling. The Sandy Plunkett guy, he's a guy I mentioned before. He did some like even fewer pages of comics than Dave Stevens in like Marvel Comics Presents and stuff. But like people really, really, really latched on to his stuff. To me, it's like it looks like the best of fandom type type mm -hmm. artwork but it really struck a chord with you know that that older generation the fandom thing is interesting because you look at dave stevens and it's kind of like this is not what you were getting at a marvel and dc you know what i mean it like it's better than the fandom art but it's also specialized in a way that's outside of the system but but like when i say fandom it's it's not it's not marvel dc fandom it's it's fucking Fletcher Hanks fandom like yeah. it, it's it's and it's the creeper fandom right. and shit like that like like it's Warren magazine fandom it has nothing to do like like these are the dudes that are like you know what I quit reading those timely comics when Fantastic Four came out like they're not in, interested in any of that bullshit that creeper guy man when you see a photo of that dude like he's such a he's such an iconic Mm -hmm. jib like brian Boland used him in um judge dread comics like i've seen this guy used in a lot of stuff and it's the same couple a couple like two three shots with the same lighting and stuff you could probably make a zine of all the cartoonists right. who have ever drawn <laughs> rondo hatton in that same it's very true in that same uh pose and then what do we got here man it's almost like the crimson ghost well you know like uh, i mentioned doc savage in that first story arc so we've got shadow characters in this one. Yeah, I think I saw Lamont Cran Cranston in there. Oh, dude, we got oh we got Schlitzy, mm -hmm. and we got the freaks. Yes. In here, amazing, Gooba gobble. Yeah, it's fun to see how he takes advantage of like a story set in the '30s. What he's pulling from. Yeah, I, I can't wait to read this thing, man. Yeah, I was trying to think, um, like as I was going through it. I try to point out stuff that I think is probably Art Adams because there there are a couple pages here and there where it feels like yeah this this seems like a different hand. I think this this one reminds me of Art Adams. This page, um, some of the lighting and stuff, some of even like some of the figures. You know that feels almost yeah. Art Adamsy. And of course, you get your money shots. Yeah. Okay, see, this all makes so much sense, man. Because like I've seen this page, mm -hmm. and it's like, well, I don't have that in my first five. Yeah, I had no idea that this round existed, man. And I guess I'll never be able to get it now with the kayfabe effect. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a peculiar thing, but you know, it is. It continues to be reprinted. Like that artist edition. There's a new version coming out, or you know, second printing or third printing, or I don't know what printing they're on, but it's coming out in April, I believe. And like they do complete collections of Rocketeer. And I'm just stuff gonna regularly. have to get it. Yeah, uh, this is Art Adams. That's definitely Art Adams right there. Yeah, I'd be curious to look at it. I feel like we've seen this shot five times. <laughs> Who do we got on the... There's Sandy Plunkett. Using that, uh, what looks like to be that uh, stipple paper coquille board. Mm -hmm. I kind of like that one. This is Galassi, and if you look, there's like almost no line. It's all duoche. Yeah. Pretty wild, you know, and it doesn't always work. Like the color for, like, say, the clouds, you'll see the a little bit of the duo shade tint around they the edges. They should have just left it black and white. Yeah, 
pretty neat though. You can see kind of where Glacey is in his career at that point experimenting. And then Mike Mignola in the mid nineties. It's kind of neat. feels like that's a character that he could do some cool stuff with. It feels like a character that would almost fit with some of his supporting cast. Absolutely. In, uh, you know, in the BPRD. Yeah. Him world. and uh, Abe Sapien could go on adventures. Lobster Johnson. For sure. There he is, man. Doug Wildly, rest in peace. So cool. Yeah, Stevens was juicing with it with like this old guard, man. Had an old soul. Yes. Acromegaly, man. Some motherfucker. Take your prenatal vitamins, people. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic, man. It's a video that we've been wanting to do for a long time. Great chance to to read the Rocketeer story altogether. Yeah, and it's such a neat piece of like direct market '80s history, you know, like like told through four publishers, eight issues, four publishers. Like, man, it was testing the uh, your, your fandom if you could keep up. And it seemed like people were chomping at the bit, man, to get their hands on uh, any Dave Stevens that they could, man. The fact that it's still reprinted is the stuff that speaks to me. Like, obviously, this guy, and and in those same interviews, you know, the Groth interviews and stuff, like. He does this not, according to him, it's not for the money, you know, it's something that he just really wants to do, and uh, I think it shows, I think it distinguishes it from other comics, and I think the fact that it's still being printed and reprinted in different formats today, that's really the goal, you know, like, you want to make this work that, that goes multiple generations and it, that outlives you, as, as sad as that part is. Um, but that's what he made here that 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 creates a, a new conversation and one that we just don't have time for today, but like the legacy part of like when you pass man like what happens you know like like how do you put this work into the hands of the right people who who will make it see you know continue to be printed man i think about like like we've been starved of mobius for 30 years man and i think that perhaps the family might have a valuation on his work that is just not commensurate to what American publishers are willing or able to pay so it's like you have to you have to figure that part out man while you're still kicking so that you the work can stay out there man that's really true anyhow you good I am okay favors like follow subscribe to the YouTube channel hit the bell we'll notify you when new vids are available what's out there Jimmy Hulk Grand Design coming to your comic shop in March tell your local comic shop that you want a copy now they can still pre-order that uh, and you can join me on patreon.com to see how I make Hulk and all the comics that I make uh, Red Room uh, Trigger Warnings issue number one going to be coming out on the stands in March 9th. Uh, Murder on the Dark Web for Fun and Profit. Get your hands on that comic. Every issue completely self-contained. Four issues in this round of Red Room comics. You can read these comics at my Patreon. Patreon.com slash Ed Piscor. Uh, links to pre-order. Links to the uh, Patreon are in my link tree in the description below this video. What else do we have out there, Jimmy? Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe e-newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts and merchandise at the links below this video. Given those marching orders, Jimmy, we're going to be on our way. Read more comics.